You're listening to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carbajal. Let's get started. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. It's Elijah Carvajal, the Title I Reading Interventionist out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And today, I have a very special guest with me. Um, I think we met over Twitter, and then we kind of bonded over teaching and, like, teach better, and then the Buffalo Bills, like, of all things. So, like, I... I I seriously know maybe one or two Buffalo Bills fans personally, and he's one of them. So <laughs> today I'm very happy to have not just a Bills fan, but a very uh, really, really great guy, really fantastic educator. I'm very happy to have Mike Shepanik with me. How did That's I do with that one? Yeah, Shepanik. Yeah. Shepanik. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Mike, I'm so glad to have you here with me. Um, we met back in October at Teach Better. Yeah. It was like yeah. a gathering of all these educators that we've, you know, seemed to have, who have connected with each other over the last couple of years. And then we finally were able to get together. So that was a really cool experience for me. And uh, just so I'm, I'm really glad to have this moment with you now. Uh, so how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, that was an awesome conference. I'll, I'll say. Um, and it was such a unique experience, like the first experience being a networking event, you know, and we're, you know, just all sitting around very casual, you know, bouncing around and I'm seeing people I recognize, Hey, I got to go talk to him. Got to talk to them. You know, it's, it's always fun to meet the, when the Twitter verse and the universe, the actual in-person verse kind of like comes together, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember when you, you first, you said, you're the Buffalo Bills fan, (laughs) like, (laughs) You know, that wasn't really the exactly the thing I expected, but, you know, we we definitely were able to bond right away uh, at that conference. So, yeah, that was such a great time and, and a great experience for everyone who was there. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just great to have you here. Mike, uh, could you give us a little little bit of a background of, of who you are, um, kind of what you yeah. do in education, what you've done, um, anything you feel comfortable sharing? Sure. Um, so yeah, I've uh, been teaching now since 1996, uh, March of 96. I was actually third teacher in the classroom that year. That's a whole nother story. Um, but uh, um, been a biology teacher, uh, taught a little bit of chemistry, but mostly biology um, at Hilton High School, which is outside of Rochester, New York. Um, doing that. For all that time, I uh, over the last four years, let me see, yeah, four years, I've also been um, our district 712 science program coordinator. So kind of like a department chair, but also uh, a lot to do with like curriculum, um, kind of a liaison. Um, and we have a, both the middle school and the high school, so I'm kind of working with both schools there. Um, and that's been fun. 
Um, I've really been, I also, I shall say this, I was a cross country and track coach for a good 20 years. Um, and during that time, we actually had some pretty good success, but during that time, my focus was more on, you know, coaching and I wasn't as keen in on or clued in onto my uh, teaching. And um, as I started to pull away from coaching, which really kind of came about with my the birth of my nine-year-old uh, twin boys, Evan and Sebastian, um, I started looking more at the teaching because, you know, I wasn't doing as much with coaching as I had before. So, and I started to realize, hey, you know, I could be doing this a lot better. I was definitely like the traditional kind of classroom teacher. Um, but just realize that, you know, there's, there's so much more there. And it's funny, like I'm at my school now, everyone says, oh, you're the, you're the guy that's on Twitter all the time. You know, like there's certain people who say, well, I saw Mike Chapanek post this on Twitter, you know, it's like, okay, well, I actually do other things besides posts on Twitter. So, you know, but uh, it's, it's funny because I wasn't on social media for a long time. I actually resisted it for so long. Um, but then once I dove in, I think that's what opened my eyes to like, Hey, there's other things in, in teaching than the way I've always been taught, you know, um, I can do this differently. And, you know, I, I got a good education, you know, there's nothing wrong with what I had done before, but you know, that was also for a different time, I think, you know, and, and the world's changed quite a bit um, since then, you know, so I'm, I'm really passionate about um, assessment and grading, um, you know, and, and giving feedback. Um, you know, I've been doing like a grade list classroom for since 2017. It was my first dive in. Um, and so like that's a that's a big thing for for me is uh, focusing less on the feedback on the uh, grades and more on the feedback. So. Um, yeah, that's at least a, a quick rundown of like what I've been doing and stuff. So that's awesome. You know, I, I was, you've said a lot there that makes me want to talk to you about, you know, your kind of your evolution as an educator. Um, like you talked about, maybe we start there where, where you picked up where you said, you know, I, I, I told myself I, I could probably do this better. Right. And so what kind of, what was the kind of turning point for you at that moment there where you, where you did realize, you know, this is, this is sustainable, but I can do it better. Yeah, the big thing, I've been teaching AP Biology. That's probably that's the, the one course that I teach this year and over the last few. Um, but I've been doing it most of my career. I would say about 18, 19 of those years. But I did have to take like a couple of years and just get away from it. And one of the things I found was I was doing all the work. You know, and I was, as a teacher, I was the one you know, trying to give the the glorious lesson, you know, with all these amazing examples. And I had a whole bunch of transparencies, you know, this is back in the day when, you know, you, the amount you taught was based on how much ink was on your, the vis-a-vis -vis markers were on <laughs> your hand there. Um, but, you know, I would, I thought it was amazing at what I was doing. And, you know, kids said they really enjoyed it. They talked about some of the stories I talked about um, back in that time. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't, the kids weren't really learning as much as I thought they could be. Um, I would get frustrated at what I, when I saw them kind of just sit back and not really, you know, doing the, doing the work. And I realized that, you know, it's, it's 
it was me that was doing all the work. And um, that was when I started, kind of started in on so, some of the social media and started to see these other things that I could do. Mm-hmm. I could do better, you know, um, even like little tricks, like I'm going to stop for a minute and I want you to just write a couple things out. We just talked about, and then I want you, you know, the turn and talk and, you know, mm-hmm. those little things were actually at that time, like a, a big jump that actually caused them to be a little bit more involved. And, um, you know, now it's just like, just part of the thing, you know, just part of what we do. So I would say definitely that, you know, just, just getting the kids to be more invested and to take part and, um, to be the director of their own kind of like education within mm-hmm. the class, even though they, you know, the teacher is the one delivering the information, whether it's lecture, whether it's here's some sources that you're going to use, um, but they could still direct what they're picking up and and how they're learning it. So, um, I would say another thing I I learned a lot about. Remember back when we looked at like different learning styles, you know, it was like there's visual learners, there's auditory learners, you know, the whole Howard Gardner thing, you know, and then later on it was found that, well, that's not really all that accurate. It doesn't seem to improve as much. Um, But it really got me into thinking about like how, what is best for students to learn and retain information? Like that's the other thing I found, like I, I knew my kids could learn it because, you know, give them a quick quiz the very next day and tell them to study this stuff that they could spit that stuff right back out to me. But then I talked to them three weeks later and they don't remember a thing, you know? So learning how to prevent, present information in a way that's going to be retained um, for me, was like really huge. So. Awesome. So that was, that's kind of this, that was kind of the Kickstarter for you. And then you made this big jump, but it, you know, you know, you've been, you've been in education for quite, you know, for this time now, since you said 96, you've transformed, but it doesn't happen overnight. What were some lessons that you learned along the way that you could share with our listeners now? Yeah. Um, so when I, I started uh, trying different things like mastery-based grading um, and, and that, those work really, really well. Um, that was a big jump. Um, but I also, you know, tried a little bit of standards-based grading, but none of them were like really like for me, the home run, they were big improvements. Um, for, for the worst, for the first part, you know, like mastery-based grading for me, the fact that kids had to learn this amount of information before they could move on was, it was really cool. Like it, it kind of transformed how the class ran, um, that was, I kind of um, stumbled upon the grid method, you know, and, and Chad and Ray and, and uh, all their work. Um, and I started using those huge, huge step forward for me. Um, class was crazy at that time. You know, I, I remember, you know, what I was talking about, my traditional view was here was me talking, maybe one or two kids answering, but it was for the most part, very organized kids in rows, you know, but now here it was, you know, I'm over on one part of the room, kids are coming to me, they're coming to each other, they're all working on different things. It was, if it, someone didn't know what really was going on, they would look at like, what is going on in this room, you know, like, it's crazy, you know, but, you know, most of us, like, could recognize that there's learning going on, but I think a lot of people would look at that, like, it's chaos, how could you ever do that? 
Um, and I did struggle with that, you know, it, like how to, how to know I'm so busy. And I always felt like there was a group of kids that I didn't get to. And that even though, you know, I was trying to help and, and uh, meet kids where they were, there were kids that were very happy to hide and not ever be found, you know, and how do I reach them? So um, I don't know if I still found that answer, but, you know, <laughs> um, but say I got dipped into some standards-based grading, but I came across, uh, I friended uh, Aaron Blackwelder, who's out in Washington, who's kind of like really introduced me to the going gradeless idea. Um, and we just started chatting on Twitter. We started DMing each other because um, I really found what he was talking about was just so intriguing. But I'm like, how is that possible? You know, how can you do that? Um, he sent me a video of he and his uh, one of his students like grade conferencing, you know, so he too was like had to give a grade at the end of the quarter or at the end of the marking periods. But um there was no grades during the quarter. So, you know, I watched them, they just sat down and have a conversation. In the end, they came up with a grade. It's a, a little bit looser than what I like now, but it, I could see that it was done. It was possible to do, you know? Um, so I, 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 you know, like I investigated it for the rest of the year. I actually had a student teacher that spring. So it was nice because I could, you know, kind of had some time to do some thinking about it and things. Um, and the next year I just dove right in. I talked to my principal, I talked to some other administrators. Um, I'm lucky to be in a very supportive and uh, progressive kind of a, um, a school district. So um, I dove right in and at first it was good, you know, it was pretty good. Like, although the kids were like confused, they, they were really nervous, they were scared about like, you know, what, what's, I don't know what my grade's gonna be. I had parent calls because, you know, this was never done before. And um, so, but once we got through the first like five week period, our first interim grade time period, and I think the parents saw and the kids saw that this wasn't going to hurt their grade. It was actually going to help them, you know, and all of a sudden that like nervousness about what the grade ends up being was kind of lifted. Um, and I always say like people like, are what are grades for you? Are they meant to rank and file and you know determine where this kid fits compared to other students or is it to improve learning and also what does the mark measure is it mark what they know and they understand and can be able to do or is it measure whether they had enough time to get the homework done and turn it in on time and you know without late penalties or bonuses or anything like that because um, there's a lot that I feel like goes into it and it depends on which teacher you go to. Like every kid's got to figure out the rules of the game. You know, what are the rules that are for math class? And then wait, they change in science class. So they, they're different in English. You know, it's like, what are these rules that work for that? Um, and it was never really written completely down, you know, for it was like, oh, there's going to be 50% of tests and 25% on this and 10% on, you know, those kind of things. Those were rules. But really when it came down to like what, you find out afterwards, like, oh, if I don't turn it in by this day, I'm going to drop this many points. Or if, you know, I didn't, I, you know, there's all sorts of rules. I, I could go on and on, but um, we, we've seen that before. So, so for me, like taking that all out of it um, at first was tough. It was tough because I was so ingrained in that kind of grade men methodology. Um, 
And the first set of grade conferences, there were, it was too open for me, way too loose. There wasn't any real set rules in terms of like how it would go. And my thought was, as long as we're in some sort of like ballpark where I thought they were and where the kids thought they were, I didn't care. You know, if a kid said, um, I think I'm an 82 and I said, well, you know, maybe you're an 87, I might encourage them to bump it up. Um, I didn't try to encourage them to bump it down unless, you know, there were some times where it's like, this kid is probably 75 at best, but they're saying 95, you know, and, and it wasn't, I never felt like they were trying to pull a fast one. Hmm. I just felt like some of those kids just didn't know what they didn't know. You know, they they just, I feel like I'm doing well and, but they didn't realize there's all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, so that that's hard, you know? And so for me, I had to, halfway through that first year, I had to back out and it was just that uneasiness. I didn't have it nailed down well enough. Um, and that was hard. Like I felt like a failure, you know, honestly, mm -hmm. I felt like this, oh man, this is, what am I, what have I done? <laughs> um, and so I went back to my traditional grades just to kind of keep flow for the rest of the year um, and worked on exactly what did I want it to look like. Um, and it's, that was the only time I had to back out of it. Um, the next year I started back up a little bit better each year, just a little better, a little better, a little better. And, you know, now it's like tweaks, but I would say, um, David Frangiosa, the, he wrote the, um, grade list going grade list, um, the book. And we talked quite a few times on, um, on Twitter. And then we went to the zoom and just talked over a whole bunch of ideas. He helped out, the. Uh, Teach Better Ambassadors as well came on came on with us, and his system like is was the final thing that I needed. Um, he had kind of set up these almost like grade bands. Like if you can meet these standards, X standards, and you've done say, like about five or six standards, and if you can do this level, like a standards based grading level, on these this many, it'll equal this grade range in here. And the kids could choose within that grade range, but it gave them a little bit more to kind of say, this is where I should be. Um, and so my feedback now was being used more and more because they realized that, hey, this wasn't up to where I thought it should be. I need to use the feedback I'm given and get there. So, um, but, but the, all that, it was, I'm sure we've all gone through the tweaking of our own profession and it is the best part of our profession because at the end of the year, we can reflect on it. We can enjoy the summer, um, but we can reflect on it too and think about like what went well, what didn't go well, and what do I have to change for next year? And I think um, any educator that's, you know, worth a hill of beans is doing that. And I think, you know, the vast majority of us are doing that, some more than others. Um, so, I don't know, those, those, I rambled a little bit there, but, you know, that's kind of where I went. No, I like that. I like that. That was, um, you brought up something about reflection. So how, what part has reflection played in your evolution process as an, as an educator? I, it's huge. Um, I'm reflecting on it all the time. I'm not, I'm not always writing things down. Um, but I'm like constantly thinking about what went well and what can go better. Um, that's a teach better like that, that group there that I'm a part of, you know, it's like their mantra, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it fit me really well. 
uh, but yeah, I, I'm always trying to tweak. Sometimes I over tweak and, you know, shoot past what I was really shooting for and ends up causing, you know, secondary problems. But I, but, you know, that's the whole part of that reflection process too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. So um, obviously you, you've talked a, about, you know, and, and why you've talked a little bit about uh, uh, gradeless, a gradeless classroom. Um, and so you've talked about why you're passionate about that and sort of the impact that you've seen from that. Is there anything else um, specific to education that you find yourself like, I am passionate about this. This is the hill I would die on. Hmm. Lately, I've been on really more of a thought pattern. You know, as my other role as uh, as a program coordinator. Um, you know, the impact that COVID's had on kids, and I see it more and more with the the math and less with the English, but. Um, I'm, I'm seeing more kids that are not placed correctly in a course that maybe they should be placed. Um, we're in a unique situation at our schools. We're an AP school, we're an IB school, we're, you know, we have all these uh, different designations. Um, and the IB program has this diploma program um, that the diploma program cannot start till their junior year. Um, and traditionally, you don't have too many um, IB graduation requirements, um, like one for each core course. They have like a, a hexagon thing and um, hit on all these different core courses and some electives. Um, and for our school, our core course is chemistry. So chemistry traditionally then would be a two-year, for those kids, a two-year 11 and 12 grade class. Um, but we also have accelerated students, you know, so we have some students that are um, New York State, we love our Regents exams. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, administrators try to get kids to get those requirements done as soon as they can. Uh, so our eighth graders are accelerated, uh, both in earth science or in living environment, which is biology. And then those accelerated students take the other one in there when they get to ninth grade in the high school. And then the usual step for most students would be then chemistry and chemistry then would lead into physics. The problem is that those kids that are accelerated are ready for chemistry their sophomore year, but they can't take the IB course because that's can't start to 11th grade year. So we have this like weird year and many, many years ago, we decided let's try to get physics in there. And so we put physics as a sophomore course and then um, and it could still be a senior course for those kids that are not like in that accelerated track. They can take it later on. Um, but then they jump into chemistry um, after the fact. And so we've had a lot of kids struggle, especially over the last few years with physics. And it's kind of dropped our numbers considerably. And I really, I think it's a lot to do with the math that they have at that point. Um, those accelerated kids are maybe not quite there yet in their math. And so they're learning the math at the same time they're learning physics, which is like the application of math in a lot of ways. Uh, so they're struggling and the words getting out that to, for a lot of the kids coming up that don't take physics, it's really hard, you know? And so our numbers have been really dropping. So, you know, um, I've, 
been reading a lot about on Twitter, you know, like behavior, kids' behavior is is different than when it has been. And it, the, the kids are are testing us more in their behaviors. And I really feel like it has comes down to that like idea that that if kids are within that right range where it's a little bit challenging, but not too challenging, and it's not easy to, that behavior problems, I feel like go away, you know, that uh, if something's too easy for kids, they get bored, you know, and they, they end up like looking for something to do, you know, to occupy their mind. So they, they goof around a little bit, but at the same time, if it's too hard, then they're so easy to give up and they act out then too. Um, and I think a lot of like what we're seeing is, yeah, there was the COVID was COVID and, you know, the, the virtual or hybrid or whatever ended up, we ended up doing. I think it led to that, you know, we always talk about those gaps, so the gaps in learning, but those gaps are really showing up now, I feel like mm -hmm. with behavior issues and then just getting kids back into the right place. So they're in that zone, you know? Mm -hmm. So the behavior problems kind of are not behavior problems anymore because they're in they're they're challenged a little bit, you know, just just that next baby step to take. So I don't know. I've uh, been doing a lot of like looking into that and, you know, talking about that with my with my department um, and trying to find what is the best way to go about it. I mean, you know, we certainly don't have the magic pill, but, you know, we're working on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your your reflection on that, and I appreciate it. Uh, Mike, this has been such a great conversation. Um, we're almost ready to wrap up, so I'm going to give you our last question of the episode. Are you ready for it? It's a three-part question. Oh, three-part. Okay. All right. Here we go. So, Mike, <laughs> I want to know, and our listeners want to know, too, what are you listening to, what are you reading, and what are you watching? Well, I try to listen to podcasts as much as I can. I used to listen to a lot more when I had a longer commute. Um, and my commute is pretty short and it's spent with my kids. Um, so I will have to admit that I listen to a lot of like Bill's, you know, stuff, radio. And, and you know, so I know you appreciate that. Um, yes. But that, that, that gets, that's a whole nother thing there um, that can become very pulls me down quite a bit you know because you got you certainly have some people that call in and they're like oh what are you talking about buddy <laughs> so but um when i do you know I've, I've listened to your podcast a few times i i try to keep up on the um the podcasts that are in the podcast network at um to teach better um but it's i haven't settled in on one thing that is like kind of pulled me in i'm always listening to so I'm a little scattershot with what I'm listening to right now. Right on. What about, yeah. uh, what about reading? What are you reading right now? Well, I wanted to say to you that I was in the middle of your book, but it's still, I mean, I've got it right here. I ordered it and I'm, it's on my list. Um, I did scan through it a little bit, but lately I've been reading um, more books about like, like leadership and um, not even, not only like leadership, but like, What's the best way to talk to individuals, you know, that um, I guess that is leadership, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm involved with like uh, instructional coaching. Um, so I've done some things with that. And uh, now I can't remember his name now. Michael Bombay. Wow. He's got some real simple to read books. 
I'll look it up. I got to look it up now. But um, it's got some real, very easy to read books. Um, but they're right on point. Like uh, The Coaching Habit is the book that I was, that I just finished. Um, coaching Habit is like, basically goes through like seven questions when someone comes to you and needs help that encourages them to not only problem solve themselves and not to like to cause you to be the person that's going to solve their problem for them. But simple things like, you know, um, you know, tell me what's on your mind. It's like the first question that he says is a great question to start, you know, what's on your mind. Cause it's an inviting to like, just get all that stuff out. And the second question is the simple one, like, and that's it. That's the question. But it's like brilliant because then it's like, you're basically opening it up to like, okay, there's more to the story here, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I, I really, right now, been just running around a lot with my kids and what I'm finding a book that is like a little too complex for me to read right now. I'm just like, it kind of goes on the shelf until I'm ready for it. I'm saving some for the summer right now. So very cool. And then what was the the third part you said, right? Yes. What are you watching? What am I watching? Yeah. Um let's see. Definitely a, a Netflix binge watcher and uh that kind of a thing. Um been watching Andor, which is actually Disney Plus, so it's a Star oh. Wars. I'm a I'm a Star Wars kind of guy. Um nice. <clears throat> little Star Trek too, but Star Wars is probably more my jam. So Nice. I love it. I haven't seen Andor yet, um, but I've heard good things about it. So yeah, that it's might got, have to definitely go got a different field than the rest. So, okay, cool. I will put that on the list for sure. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for uh, carving out some time in your, in your day to meet with me and, and chat. And I, I've appreciated this conversation. I appreciate you. Um, how can our listeners who are listening right now, find you and get connected with, with you. Um, you know, Twitter is probably the best way and it's um, at Mike. And then my last name, which is S Z C Z E P A N I K. Um, you can reach out to me. Um, I'm going to be uh, blogging uh, with teach better group. Um, I've actually got my, rough or my almost final rough draft um all done and you'll be kind of talking about my journey uh in grade list so keep an eye out for that as well so awesome i look forward to reading some of your uh some of your blogs great it was great to uh, chat with you today elijah too thanks yeah thanks mike i appreciate it and thank you listeners uh, for joining us. I hope you can connect with Mike and uh, see all the great things that he's doing, read his blogs and uh, just he's a great guy to follow. Great guy to be connected with. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I hope that you'll check out previous episodes, and I hope that you'll share this with a friend or a colleague.